0: We was called the Dream Center. It chose us. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it was like a javelin had been thrown. Now I know it was an arrow. It was an arrow that the Lord had fired. In, I was in a random place, in a random meeting, with no significance to the name Dream Center. I was in an AOG meeting, listening to a guy speak, and then all of a sudden it just <coughs> came across the room, like an arrow, <coughs> boom,
1: hit my chest, exploded,
0: and I heard, as loud as you're hearing me now, I heard the word Dream Center. And I didn't, but when it hit me, it came with understanding. Yeah. I didn't have to think, hmm, what's all that about? <coughs> I knew straight away that the Lord was saying, change the name to the Dream Center. And we learned the principle of obedience first, understanding comes second. Yeah. And when we began to, uh, talk as elders, when they agreed that this is what we should do. Understanding came, and God gave us Daniel chapter two yeah. to make known the dream of the king. That was always in the Bible. We may have read it, but now it makes sense yeah. in a time called now. Yeah. So God chooses the arrows.
1: Amen. You randomly select the
0: arrows, and He fires His arrows in a certain time, in a certain season. So when they're fired, maximum impact is felt.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yes? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he could have done it uh, in here, in a meeting. He could have done it when I was asleep. But he chose the time and the place. Who knows what the words, what were being preached, released that in the spirit for me. Mm. I don't know. But the point is, I was a recipient of it. But, you know, before God called me into full-time ministry, I was a printer. And I was happily serving in... A company called b Taylors, which soon became BPCC, a big printing corporation, and uh, I was fast-tracked into the apprenticeship because of loopholes that have been discovered as two unions were amalgamating together, these joining together, and the condition was is if we close this union down and become one, you have to train these guys up. So I got an apprenticeship when you should never have got an apprenticeship. How many of you know God knows what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Never would have ever got an apprenticeship. God, God, give me an apprenticeship when I was 28 years of age. You just don't get an apprenticeship at 28 years of age. But I did. But all the time, I was in that that factory. I always knew that one day I would be called into full-time paid ministry. Everyone's in ministry. But I'm talking about paid ministry. Leading. And I always knew that. And I told people that. And it's, I said to Phil last week, I went to a funeral of a friend who mented me and, uh, in Macclesfield the other week. And the Lord brought it back to him and said, you've preached to him time and time again. And there he was, now lying in a box. He had his opportunity. And if nothing else, God used me in that factory as a selected arrow to preach the gospel. God helped me to turn my, my testimony around. Establish a witness in that place and now here I am at a funeral of a guy who'd had the opportunity to receive, but didn't. That's how realistic this thing really is. When you're an arrow, you have to be fired when you have to be fired. Yeah? I'm not talking about your boss firing you now. I'm talking about <laughs> heaven firing you. And I remember the lesson that the Lord t- taught me about the tin of beans. In my company, we printed all the household labels. My company was a very uh, prestigious company. Only printed for the uh, supermarkets, duty general printers, stationery. That, that's considered too small for us. We only did all the top quality stuff. Not even manuals. Manuals are uh, books. They're easy. But to print what I was printing was considered the best technical type of printing. It was. So when you get your Nescafe, your nice baked beans, big beans. You know, all your Tesco, you know, all your Asda, Sainsbury's, you it. Know, we did it all. And here's the lesson that the Lord taught me many, many years ago, and he never left me. It was this. is that the lights in the factory have to be the same lights in the supermarket. And they call that a metameric match. So that the label I'm printing, when I'm balancing that colour and getting that colour right, it has to look the same under the same light in a supermarket. Mm. Why? Because they know the psychology of shopping determines what you buy, how you buy, when you buy. Psychology is involved in when you go shopping. You know that, don't you? That's why music was always a key thing many years ago. And then lighting became an issue. And then we have placement products. Right there, as soon as you go in. And then you have the products at the side of the till. When the kids are complaining they want some sweets, and then right there and you just throw them in, in the in the shopping trolley to stop the little little ones screaming. All that is subtly done so that you will buy. And what happens is every label, every certain products are placed in the supermarket at certain points so that you will go and get them. Labels sorry um products are placed at an eye level. Yeah? So as you're looking down, you, you catch your... There's the psychology behind all this. But I learned the lesson of the tin of beans. The tin of beans is like the Christian. I'm printing thousands, in fact I'm printing millions, of HB labels, or it could be coffee, it could be anything. And then all of a sudden they get cut down, and then they get manufactured taken to the manufacturers, then they get brought into the supermarket, and they get put on the shelf. And there's, let's just say this, hundreds of tins of beans. And then there's Azazon, and then there's other brands of beans, but hang sits there, and the, the, all the hinds sit there with the chest out. All the tins of beans sit there. Pick me, pick me, pick me! And you just come along, come on, pick one. Throw it in your t- throw it in your trolley, and off you go. You never considered that tin of beans. How long have you been sat on the shelf? But that tin of beans have been sat there proudly think it's my turn tomorrow. It's my turn tomorrow. Someone will pick me, someone will take me home, someone will use me, someone will get delight from me, and someone will get value from me. But nobody wants to buy the tin of beans that's at the back of the at the back of the shelf do You don't want to reach for your tin of beans, you just want ease. on, <coughs> think about it, ladies. Some of you don't even look at the prices, you just go for brands. It doesn't matter how much your tin of beans are, you're always going to go for Heinz. Because Heinz is Heinz, like Kellogg's is Kellogg's. Like Nescafe might be Nescafe to you. Right? Some people think, oh, a tin of Astor's beans is no different than a tin of Heinz beans. I beg to differ. <laughs> I beg to do it. If it costs me 80 people a tin of beans, I'm going for Asters. I'm not going for Asters beans, I'm going for a tin of beans in Astor, but it's not Asters beans. Yes? And they know that this, this tin of beans doesn't want to be the tin that's shoved at the back.
1: Because nobody likes
0: to be being pushed at the back. Every one of us, to some degree, likes to be seen and brought to the front. Come on, think about it. We want to be used. We want to be valued. We want to show others that we've got it together. Yeah? And we've got different sized beings, just like we have different sized people. We have different sized churches, just like we have different sized beings. Some churches want to throw everything to the front and show everybody what they're doing. Other churches want to be in the back. And God calls all to be at the front not the back. And the thing is, is everyone who goes shopping tomorrow will select their own products. You'll select your own product. And you won't even think about it. You won't think about it. Some of you may select two tins of something, or two jars of something, or two boxes of something, because you might get the two for one deal. And you're not thinking, next time when you come, set that to of beans go, here you are baby, I know you've been on that shelf a long time and you're coming on
1: with me. <laughs> That's
0: not going to happen. I'm quite right, myself, just a tin of beans. But you know, in the things of God, how many of us <coughs> feel like a tin of beans? God wants it my turn. <coughs> God, why is it everyone seems to leave me on the shelf? Why is it I'm not noticed? Why is it I'm unusable? Why is it that my cell by day seems to be going? Because there is a principle in the kingdom. And it's called the principle of the selected arrow. Everything in God is selected. Everything in God is chosen. Do you know that? Yeah. Come on, do you know that? Some of you don't know. Everything in God is... Listen, this is the word for you for next year, so you better listen. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. He says, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth
1: he has made mention of my name.
0: He made my mouth like a a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow. My Bible says arrow. He concealed me in his quiver. Who's doing this? (coughs) Come on church, answer back. Who is doing this? This is the Lord. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. So there is a timing involved. There's a work involved and there's a timing involved. You get this? Mm-hmm. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me into and, and, and he made me into a unpolished arrow and he
1: concealed me in his
0: quiver. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. So he's talking to a nation, and he's talking how as a nation. She's going to have to be fashioned, she's going to have to be formed, she's going to have to be polished, she's going to have to be carried in a quiver before she can be fired, or before she can be selected and fired to hit her target. So many of you have got hopes and dreams and you've had words from God, but God still has to form and fashion you and polish you before he can select you and you can be fired. Come on. God has to do that. It's not enough just to be a believer and say, that's it, I'm ready to go. Go where? You're unformed. You're not fashioned. And he says, before I was born, the Lord called me. So, it goes back to what we were saying last week. You get everything in the house ready. Don't you? You get your mind ready. You get your finances ready, hopefully. You get the house ready. You get the baby's room ready. Why? Because this this new bundle of joy is going to change your life. So you make every preparation you can to get ready. He says, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored to no purpose. How many believers... I've come to this point in Christ where they say, Lord, I've done all this, I've come to church all these years, and it's still, I haven't got that breakthrough. Lord, I still haven't got that fulfillment. That's why people get disillusioned and leave church. Or, you work for a company, and you say, "Work, have worked for this company all these years, there's no prospects given to me, I'm leaving. Because you feel unvalued. Come on. But how do you know, maybe God wanted you to stay in that company, because that's why he was forming and fashioning you. Yeah. Yes? You see, i worked on the back of a machine, doing laboring job. But you know what they did? They didn't like the word laboring, because it sounded too... Meaningful. Meaningless. Meaningless. Oh, menial, yeah, menial, yeah. Menial. So they changed it to semi-skilled. <laughs> that was the phrase they gave us, we are now semi-skilled laborers. Because now there's a skill involved in laboring. And there was. And what happened was is that that's where God began to change my reputation. And give me favor with my foreman. Give me favor with my bosses. Because at that point, I'd been doing things I shouldn't have done. Nothing to do with a company, privately. And God saw the way my heart was messed up. God began to turn around, change me, just as I started coming to this church... As I got my, heart, my life and my heart sorted around, God began to take me back in there reestablish re-establish a witness. And for all those years, God was working on my character. He was fashioning me and forming me. And then when that day came for that apprenticeship, guess whose name came forward? Mm-hmm. Voila. My name. And God was watching to see how I would handle the responsibility, how I would handle the difficulties and the setbacks they'd get. God was watching, and God used the company to do it. He didn't use the church. He used the company. And very often in today's week, I don't like that job, I'm going to move on to something else. And nothing gets worked out in you. God will use your boss. God will use your company. Why? Because that's the place where he can train you. Because there's nothing like an evil boss like an evil boss. God uses the environment you're in. You don't get sharpened and transformed here. You do it on the day-to-day in the workplace. And then he watches your attitude How You complain to him about your boss. He said, love him, pray for him. No chance of what, killing. him. No, that's not the attitude. Okay, stay there a bit longer. And that's what happens. And he said to me, my servant, verse 3, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said I have labored to no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing yet what is due to me is in the Lord's hand, and my reward is with my God. I came to that point a long time ago, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to cause, you're going to have to work something in this company, if I'm going to get to a place where I can provide a career for myself. And all that time, God knew I would never have a career in that company. But all hell came against me. Why? Because God was training me for this. But he used that factory to train me. And I thought I was labouring for no purpose at times. Until so one day, the selected arrow. I, I was selected, and I almost sensed the call, and then there was a time when I became very aware I was being, I was, I was being polished. But then there came a time when God not only polished me, but he now began to fire me. He selected, put me in his quiver, and he fired me for drums. From this place, the nations. That was God. So what, so we, he's doing that with us. Every one of you is in your workplace. It's the same place. You are an arrow for your company, for this nation, for the nation. We are built for those three areas. Amen. Every one of us is built for those three areas. Now I, I went through it first so that I could show you, help you, teach you that God is selecting his arrows and he's deployed them in certain places. Amen. So the elected so lect- arrow means, surprisingly, you've been chosen. Mm-hmm. When you go for an interview, and they say, we'd like to offer you the job, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You've been chosen. <laughs> Out of all the candidates, we're choosing you. Well, when the favour of God rests upon your life, God says, choose him. Mm-hmm. Choose, her. Yeah. choose her. The same doesn't make sense. Choose them. Yeah. The my people, choose them. Yeah, God can speak to Pharaoh. So, Genesis chapter 27, verse 3. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver, and bow, and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Get your weapons, your quiver, and bow. Weapons, quiver, bow. Genesis 27, verse 3. He's talking of Esau and Isaac. And the deceiver, well, or one of them, is deceiving the father. Jacob's deceiving his father. Go out into the open country and hunt me some wild game for me, because he knew the father liked wild game. And whoever does that, I'm going to then put my blessing upon him. And we know the story. We know the story. event. what happened was Jacob does it. He deceives his father. And he gets the blessing, Esau comes in later, wants to do the same thing, go and hunt some game for his father, and his father says, what I'm already eaten?" and who was it? i already blessed. And they both realise that Jacob had done a number on the father. Yes? But here's the issue. When a huntsman goes out to kill his prey, he may only have about six arrows in his quiver. It's going to vary from huntsman to huntsman. How many arrows? he carries in his own quiver. But who determines the arrow used in his quiver is a lottery. Do the maths. Six, six arrows, ten arrows, you can choose one from ten, one from six. It's a lottery, isn't it? Not with God, it's not. Not with God. God never (coughs) chooses, randomly, an arrow. He only chooses that which has been fashioned and formed in his own hand. Amen that which has been polished. When God chooses an arrow, each arrow has an appointed time and an appointed target. So when God looks at his dreams, his dream sense a quiver, he knows the arrows that are ready. Amen. This house ha- this house has to get ready. Hello? This house has to get ready. You see, God is longing and looking to fire us in a specific direction.
1: Yeah. it wants to use your life in a very specific way.
0: So God has to have you. First question you've got to ask yourself, if, am I an arrow that's being fashioned and formed? Polishing is a different thing. Fashion and forming. I want to be one of God's arrows. I want this church to be one of God's arrows. I believe we are an arrow church. But that doesn't make we're all arrowhead people. But we are an arrowhead church. Why? Because I have to make, first of all, look after myself to make sure I'm an arrowhead leader. Yes? So I believe I'm an arrowhead leader not because it sounds great, but because I know I definitely, I work for day to day, I work on it. I'm consciously working on it all the time. Definitely praying into areas. Praying for you, praying for me, praying for us. That this church become an arrowhead church strategically used by God. So in Jeremiah 3.14, I want you to hold this scripture. This is going to bring life to us throughout next year. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you, one from a town and one from a clan, and bring you to Zion. Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Let me say that again. I want you to get this scripture down Highlight like this in your Bible, because this will be a scripture you'll be praying through most of next year. Return, faithless people. So if you're an arrow that's been that's pushed away from God, despondent from God, return. He declares off, for I am your husband, there's his, there's his position to you. He is your husband. I will choose you, one from a town, and two from a clan, and bring you design Now, look at the nations that's in, involved in our church. Has God not become your husband? Come on, church. Now, for those who, who born in the Manchester area, you don't get this. But you should do, because God's still chosen you. But when you look at the nations, every nation that came, comes to this church has a story of why they came here. Has a circumstance, a reason, as to why they came here. God provided a way. And God chose one from that clan. And two from that nation. And brought them. Yeah. Brought them to Manchester. Or brought them to England. From England they then began to make a journey. Until they ended up in Manchester. Manchester is still not enough. And then God begins to lead them to a church. That is expressing as iron emphasis. So God. Selected his arrow. From afar. Come on. We all got here somehow. <coughs> God selected us from afar. Now, those who have been here since year dot, it's easy for you to determine and say, Well, I've always been here. Well, it's up to you to determine whether you were chosen. Yeah. You've got to determine in your own heart, Am I a chosen vessel? Or is this just the church I always go? It's easy, it's not far from me. You've got, to, so you've got to determine whether you are a chosen vessel. I know I'm chosen. You know why? Because I lived on the doorstep of this church and, and travelled seven miles the opposite way. It doesn't make sense to have a church round the corner but go seven miles out of the other way. This is the last place I wanted to go. You are pensive rascals. <laughs> and I didn't want to be under pensive rascals. I wanted to give me all religion. God says, no, 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 you're my selected arrow for this place. And I thought, just like you do, and I said, no, choose another ton of beans, not me. <laughs> God says, no, you're my Heinz be- bean leader. You're not, home, you're not just a home brand here. you're a high and a special ton kind of beans only. But you've got to work out why you're here. Not how you get here, why you are here. And God is telling, telling us that he is our husband. We are his bride. He is our husband and he will protect us. Yes? Thank God that God is a husband to us. And I will choose you from one town. And I will choose you from two clans. And I'm going to bring them. This is what you're going to see next year. You're going to see God's selection process begin to manifest in front of your eyes. You're going to see one from this clan, two from over there. Nations will come. People from all over church, from all different kind of churches. Backslidden, prodigals, people getting saved. Why? Because God's selection process is about to manifest in this house.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. Now, some of you might like the idea of a big church, but not after a big church. We're after a lean church. Remember what we preached on in the School of Prophets? We're stripping the fat lady down so we can get off the runway. So it's not about a big church. It's about a church that can fulfill its mission. God's looking for arrows. It's not enough for an arrow to sit in a quiver. An arrow is formed, fashioned and polished for one purpose. So it can hit its target. Amen? Amen. So many churches have got arrows. But don't know how to fire them. Irrespective of where you live. Irrespective of where people live right now. I know. South Africa. Nations around the world. Europe. in the spirit. They're just going to pick the car up and start making that journey. Telling you. It will happen. Our discipleship school. We'll have people from all around the world. Amen. Not initially. Might start with Europeans, but that's still around the world. Europe's still a big continent. Amen. And God will start making way for us, making room for us. Amen. Why? Because this church is going to be an arrowhead manufacturer. Amen. It's a training base. Training base for lawns. So the house has to be a bowl. Not just a just a equipment. we need we need bowmen. Remember when we declare to us, archers get ready. Right. This is the next stage of the archers get ready. The year of the selected arrow. Jonathan David preached this to us as leaders. But what I'm giving to you today is God spoke to me on top of what he's already said. And and I've got another aspect I really want to encourage you with.
1: So God's chosen you.
0: God's chosen our language. Do you realise how important our language is? I'm not talking about English now. We explain things to you with a language that others don't. Every church has got its language. Just like every factory has got its language. Every career has got its language. If if you started talking to Phil in in, in his language, or he started talking to you and you didn't know his language, then you'd be lost, or Andy, Or any professional uses their language as somebody who's not in their field, you're lost.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes? In the church, this... It's not easy for someone coming in
1: to learn our language. But God gives us a grace to great people.
0: It's a supernatural thing. It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. So God's given us, not only has God chosen us, He's given us our own language. Because from our own language comes our own emphasis. And force. God has given us our own region, our own country. We could all be sat in Russia right now, freezing. But here we are in the Bahamas. <laughs> Charleston is in the Bahamas, is where this eating system put in. And there's a destination for us if you're really interested. We like to tell people when they come to the church, we're not a church that's not going nowhere. We are definitely going to a place called finish.
1: Yeah.
0: We're not going somewhere, we're going to a place called finish and complete. By the time I finish my life, my task, my, my, my shift, so to speak, the next generation will be very clear what it is we do. Because you know why? Because they've been doing it with us. Amen. Yeah. <coughs> so Acts chapter 17, verse 26, you know this scripture. <coughs> God has chosen both the, t- uh, both the town and the man. So Jeremiah three 14, you've already witnessed in your own personal life. Hello? Jeremiah 3.14, you've already witnessed it in your own personal life. Now you're going to see it manifest in the lives of others. But in Acts 17.26, from one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. Okay, the whole earth's a big place, still not definitive. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. That's the arrow. Yeah? Though he is not far from each and every one of us. So God chooses the time. God's chosen 2016 for us to be here. God's chosen Drawsdon. God's chosen this building. God's even chosen the name King Street. Wow! God's chosen the dream of the king, the dream centre. God's chosen everything for us. He's chosen the time, the place, the people. He's took two from over there, one from over there. He's brought them to a place called Zion. And God will keep on doing it. Why? Because you're an arrowhead church. God's selection process has already taken place and we're already in it. Yeah? We're not a selection box. Full of all kinds of chocolate. No. We are a selected people. A chosen people. A royal people. Chosen by God. Amen? Amen? Amen. So every, every arrow needs a bow. Mm. What is a bow? He said, I'll give you shepherds. <laughs> shepherds are the ones who put the tension on your life. Mm. Through the word. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say that again for some of you. An arrow is one thing. David can be nicely polished. He can be a golden arrow. He can have a, a death tip on it. Gets it. But he's no good without a bowman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A bowman has to come up alongside his life and put the tension on him mm-hmm. right so that he can be fired to its full trajectory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Without tension on your life, you're going nowhere.
1: Sure.
0: Oh, there's the point why many of you want to stay in the quiver. <laughs> Because the bowman needs to put tension on your life. He doesn't put pressure on you because he just likes to wind you all up. That's called a vindictive pastor. He puts pressure on you because in that forming, fashioning, your boss will put tension on you. The requirements of your company will put strain and pressure on you. We went to uh, Warrington Castle. Paul and Emma and myself and Carol to the people when he came over it. And they did the, you know, the demonstration of the longbow. And the longbow is bigger than Phil. Seriously, big. And it took them, it trained them from the age of six. Because, because there was so much strain, it used to make their arms about three to four, five, possibly an longer. A centimeter longer, sorry. It won't be inches. Be like, I don't I don't
1: know
0: know <laughs> Why? Because it would pull all your left hand side. So a lot of them would, would be disfigured from that point of view. Because such was the strength yeah. that you needed to pull this string back with. It took an immense amount of training. You just couldn't just do it. You had to be trained from a young age. Because that was the first line of the defence. We didn't have guns in those days. Yeah. But those bows were very effective. Very effective. And when you see a guy just pulling back his string, it looks so natural to him. But you try and do it, it's. Guess what? I still need my life put it under more strain.
1: Yeah.
0: Because I'm not going further off. I'm not happy where I am. I'm not happy where we're at. So as God puts strain under my life, and He tells me, go and put it, go, you know, go and help the church, come to the next level. We have to come down with a word. And put our arms around you. And talk to you. And encourage you. And strengthen you. And stretch you. And it's in that stretching you all manifest. And it's in the stretching that people then leave Zion. And go somewhere else. God's got to stretch your life. And he needs a bowman to do it. God is a perfect bowman. He knows exactly how where your tension point is. He knows where the string is. Where the, the snapping point is. Yeah, I don't know How many of you know 2 Timothy 3.16 is that all scripture is usual for teacher, teaching, training, rebuking, encouraging, and training people in righteousness? Mm. Well, how do of you know that if you're going to do that training, some pressure's going to have to be exerted somewhere? <laughs> So, people say, Well, I'm not going to be trained. I just want to sit here and do my religious duty. Guess what? Fine. You're not a polished arrow. You're not a selected arrow. You're just a a person who comes to church. That's fine. That's your choice. But God is saying there's more. Mm -hmm. There is more. How many of you know that when prophecy is a very key thing when it comes to confirming that you you are God's chosen selected arrow? Prophecy is major. Because many of us don't know we're selected arrows until God speaks and very often we don't know God spoke to us until until someone prophesied and it then begins to echo what I felt on the inside. Does
1: that make sense? So
0: first it comes from the outside. Well actually it came on the inside but because you didn't recognise the voice of the Holy Spirit and now he speaks.
1: God used an arrow from the
0: outside to fire to hit your target, to <clears> witness and confirm that which had already been spoken on the inside. And many of us have received prophetic words that God wants to use us and God's going to do this, haven't we not? Yeah. Right then. So then you need the very fact that you've had that prophetic word over your life. It shows that God wants to select you, i said select you and chosen you for a specific time and for a specific purpose. God doesn't speak to you prophetically unless he had a specific use for you. Come on. Yeah. Oh, I've never had a prophetic word. Well, maybe you did but you just didn't incline it is. Maybe you did. I'm speaking prophetically to you now. It's amazing, you're in a prophetic conference speaking to me and they say, I need a word. We'll just give you a word. <laughs> well, no, no, I need a personal word. But well, just give you a personal word. But the saying is, I want you to lay hands on me. Gladly. There's many, many words privately and publicly being spoken to us as a house. God keeps bringing prophets. Listen, there's got to come a point, church, when we've got to stop listening to new prophetic words and turn them into reality. It's not enough just to keep having another another word, another word, another word, another word, another word. Goodness sake, let's turn prophecy into reality. Amen. Let's make it real. Yeah. Let's, let, let's demonstrate what God's saying. Let's show people. This is because that word was spoken. This is why we're, this is why we're here. Show people the journey. Yeah. Show people the faithfulness of God. Yeah. See, what has been spoken to you, you must define it. You might want to write this down, it's going to help you out. What has been spoken to you, you must define it. What are you doing about what has been spoken to you? Do you sit there and wait for God to fulfill it all on his own? Or do you get up and take some sense of responsibility? Don't ever sit and wait just for God to fulfill prophecy. You think, well, what can I do? Well, you can start praying about it. You can start getting yourself ready. Well, I am going to get myself ready. Sharp in the spirit. Well, here's another question. Who am I serving in the area that best reflects what's just been spoken to me? So if, when, I got, when I started getting prophetic words about me being in the ministry, what do you think I started doing? I went to my pastor and I started to serve him. <coughs> I went to him and served him. When I had no position in the church, although I thought, instantly I just began to move towards him so he could train me. Not for the ministry. I just wanted to be developed, mm. and I pursued him to train me, and he began to take me under, my way, under his wing and began to train me for where I am today.
1: Mm. And then Jonathan
0: David had to take me under his wing to take me where I am and where I need to be today. Mm. So God has always provided the fathers that have needed. Mm. That's the faithfulness of God. Why? Because of a selected arrow. Amen. From a mentor to a spiritual father. was just in transit. Mm. I was still transit. The moment the word comes to you. Is God fires it. It's now starting to move. Yes. So God gets the word. He says. you're in the meeting. You feel something. You begin to prophesy. So God gets gets you. The vessel. Fires it. It lands. You come to me. You begin to start prophesying over me. The arrow is now in my heart. Now the hour is in my heart, it starts penetrating my spirit, and it must now begin to do a work within me. Amen. Amen. So, what am I who am I serving in that area where I can upgrade and learn? Another question How do I begin to pray? Well, don't pray on certain prayers. Well, Lord, if you you, say it again. Say it again, Lord, say it again. Say it, Lord says, No, no, I've told you once, start believing in faith. Start praying, start seeing yourself. You know, Jonathan David taught me this. If you're going to go to the nations, see yourself at the airport. It's a good place to start. Yeah? It's a place i going to the nations, but you can't even see yourself at the airport. I've already started to picture what my work will be like in Brazil. I've already started thinking in terms of discipling in a nation. Already started thinking, why? Because that's where my heart's going to. Come on. Start seeing yourself doing what you think that word is speaking and God will adjust it and change it because you may be seeing things that's not right but at least start. What I'm doing now is nothing like I thought I would be doing when I first was called.
1: Because everyone told me I was going to be an
0: evangelist. God there's no Mr. Malcolm Rose Gates." Where do you sow your seed? Now I'm not talking about you're tied now. Your tithe comes to the house. That's what you mean fed. Your seed. There is no harvest without seed. Mm. So there is, there's your tithe, and then there is an offering. Mm. So you see, I never go into a country without sowing into it. Put seed in the ground, then you expect a harvest. So if you feel that God has been calling you in a certain way, and God's put prophetic words, begin to learn the principle of sowing. Sowing those areas so that you can get a harvest. So when God begins to use you, you think, yes, this is not unusual because I've already been sowing in the spirit many years before I was finally polished. Yes? Being a polished arrow still needs the right timing. You're not finished just because you're polished. Then you have your assignment. Where do you sow your seed? sow good seed into those areas where you be used. So if you feel that evangelism on you, begin to sow into areas of evangelism. But that's not your time, that's your seed. So, let me take you now and give you a bit of sobering thought. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21. You know the enemy also is a bowman. The enemy of your soul is also a bowman. He also has destructive arrows. That pierce your soul. Why? Because his arrows want to kill, steal, and destroy. And Proverbs 7 says this, listen. And he's using the female. but this can easily be a male or a female. But in this scripture in Proverbs, he's talking about... He's talking the feminine sense, she. So ladies don't get upset... Guys, learn from this because you can be just as persuasive and seductive as this woman. Okay? So ladies, you're off the hook. Without being off the hook. With persuasive words, she led him astray. Stop right there before you go any further. What led them astray?
1: Right. 2016,
0: I want you to guide yourself because persuasive words are coming to your life persuasive words will come to your life. Let's look at them. She seduced him with her smooth pause. So we see persuasive words, but it was the seduction of a smooth voice. In your attempt to want to be fired and want to hit targets and do things for God, seductive people could come along and offer you the world. Well, I'll give you a better promotion. I'll give you a promotion at work. And then what they'll do is they'll get you turning on your own boss. They'll start a conversation. Smooth. Yeah, well, he's right this. He's right that, that. Right? And then you start joining and thinking you've got an ally. God's listening to the way you're speaking about those you serve under. Yes? And it's the smooth, seductive voice that comes and tries to kill steel and destroy you, and take your arrow from out a transition and bring it into destruction. He wants to ground your arrow, or divert your arrow, to a different target. Be very, very careful that you do not allow this. Listen, the word went out before you had the experience. Remember that? Uh, at what, all at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. At once. At once. Like an ox, he followed her like going to the slaughter. When you get smooth, seductive words, it's taking you to the abattoir. It's going to cut you up. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces, pierces his liver. Wow. Damn it. Like a bird darting into a snare. Little knowing it will cost him his life. The innocence. Stop being so naive and smell the coffee. Yes? Listen, be careful. Who you listen to. Your boss is not your God. God is God. Your boss is someone to be respected. Okay? But your boss can't give you and take you where you need to go. But Abraham said, God is the possessor of heaven and earth, and I'll take nothing unless he gives it me. That must be our code. Amen? Amen. God will give us favour, but money is not his favour. Money can be part of the favour, but don't just use money as the only way. Because that's a seductive choice. If you can be bought, you'll be bought. Mm. If you can be paid off, you'll be paid off. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Don't let your heart yearn for her ways. Or strain to her paths. This is a warning to a dream center. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng this woman, this voice, this man, whoever it is who's speaking to you, has been doing it for thousands of years. You're just another one in the food chain. It's not... You're not special in that sense. You're just another one it can destroy. But you don't give everything to God. You're chosen. It, so it makes you more of a selective choice at the end of it. But in your factory, your workplace, your career... You're just another employee, but you're no. You're there for a You're on the I want you to see
1: this.
0: You getting this? Yeah. So let's change tact a little bit now. So you've got that church. You're a selected arrow. Polished arrow. But there's going to be a seductive voice, smooth voice, trying to come and take you. This year, you must resist it. Amen. You must resist it. There'll be many individual internal battles, and the voice can be your own voice. Don't listen to the pastor. Don't listen to that leadership. Don't listen to God no more. Don't listen to this. I'll make my own way. (coughs) Don't say you wasn't warned. Young people, single people, young and single. You may not be young, but you may be single. You may be single and you're young. Okay, that covers every edge. This is what I feel the Holy Spirit spoke to me about. Since I have got, well it's not since I got back from my age. God spoke to my God spoke to me about this before I went to the lazy And I began to pray about it. Now I want to bring this to you. This is serious for us as a house. You know the prodigal son went against his father. The prodigal son went against his father. Not just his father, but he went against his father's wishes. Because the father had... A picture of what he wanted for his son. Yes? But the son also had his own picture of how to get what he wanted quicker without going through the process of his father. There lies the danger of what I'm about to say. So many young people have got their own picture of what they want. Or so many people. I just don't want to go to young, I want to go to people. But your Heavenly Father and your leadership team have a picture of what they believe is the best for you. We can't control him. We don't want to control her, We just want to advise and encourage and steer along that path. Because we don't want any heart to be broken. Does that make does that sense? Yeah. But you have your own way. I have my own way. And we can be stubborn at times despite all the best advice given. Have you noticed how stubborn you can be? Genesis twenty seven verse forty six. Let's just start there. I'm gonna read verse nine verses of the scripture. 20, uh, Genesis twenty seven verse forty six. When Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm delighted. I said, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. I'm disgusted. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, don't marry a Canaanite woman. Okay? Go once to Padamaran to the house of your mother, your father Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother, brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of people. So God's intention is to bless him. See this? The father's desire is for his son to be blessed and there is a way this blessing must come about. Everybody see this? Okay? And the way not to do it is not to marry from outside your own clan. Everybody get this? May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham, so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien. The land God gave to Abraham. And Isaac sent Jacob on his way. And he went to Padam Aram, To Laban son of Bethuel the Aramean, The brother of Rebekah. Who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now at this point Jacob has deceived his father. And now he's on the run. Because he knows his brother. Once he finds out he's stolen his birth. Right, he's going to kill him. So his father's telling him. Go to your mother's brother. Get out of the way of your son. Because he's going to rip your head off. Right? But on the way, don't take a woman. A Canaanite woman. So the deceiver, the cheater and the liar is now given some wisdom about what not to do. And you must have, his father must have thought, no, this guy's a cheater and liar. I can only but tell him. He's got to make his own choices. I haven't got any confidence that this cheater, liar, deceiver, schemer is going to listen and do what I ask him to. Yes? So, so Isaac went and sent Jacob on his way and went to Padamaram. We'll now. now Esau learned, and Isaac now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padamaram to take a wife from there. Okay? And when and then when he blessed him, he commanded him, Don't marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and adopted Padamaram. So the boy who was a schemer at least is obeyed. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father, Isaac. The little rascal decides, I'm now going to do the opposite to displease my father. And he chooses, why? Because he wants to get back at his dad because his dad gave his son the blessing of which he thought was his, which was never his. But he thought he was being our daughter, so now I'm going to take a wife from a place that I know my dad said, don't do. How often do we do things knowing, because it's a strong desire within us, it feels right. But in the broader picture, we know that our Heavenly Father has told us not to do it. Come on, every one of us. Because in one sense, we're all prodigals. We're constantly coming back to our Father, asking Him to forgive us. Why? Because we know we do the things that He's told us not to do. Thank God for 1 John 1. Thank God that He's made a way for us to repent. Thank thank God that His mercy and His grace and His forgiveness is there for us. And His blood speaks for us. Thank God for that. Why is that appropriate? Because He knows. He knows there's an Esau in every one of us. Yes? Yes? And then he goes and marries the daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham. You can't get more opposite. So he marries a Muslim. In addition to the wives he already had. So he didn't need a wife. He just want another one. Why? he' going to get So if you want a New Testament reference for that, it's quite simple. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 8. And it says about, do not be yoked again with unbelievers. But what do righteous and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? The answer is nothing. But I love him. I want my heart. I want to share the rest of my life with it. I know, I know, I know. Emotions are strong. I know. But it's not in the long term. It's only going to bring you hardship. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. There he is again, the husband. I'll be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. God doesn't want us to be unequally attached. And that's so difficult when the pool, the fish in this pool, are not the ones you like. And it's of no help when you say, don't worry son, don't worry uh, daughter, there's other fish, but where are they? Show me the other fish. Show me the other fish. You've got goldfish, I want koi cow. And you want a different kind of fish. But son, in here we have goldfish. We're raising goldfish. With that, I don't want a goldfish. I want a koi cow. Goldfish, koi cow. thing. bigger? They have a different nature. Different food. They look different. They're human beings on the outside. On the inside, they have a different nature. And it's that nature that God doesn't want you to be contained by. Your father wants the best meal. you. So if you say, okay, God, if you're my dad, then you'd better supply a goldfish that I like. Is that a fair question? Of course it is. God, you'd better get me A goldfish that I like. Okay. So the dad says, are you willing to trust me? Uh, No, I want to go fishing myself. I know where the fish are. So, what did Peter find out? Throw a coin. Oh, no, he did say throw a coin,
1: didn't he? Go to the lake
0: catch the fish, and the first fish you catch, but I don't want that fish, but that's the one with a gold coin in its mouth. So have I got to try all the fish now to find the the gold coin? Come on, answer the question. Have I got to go and try all the fish to find the gold? No. What did he say? The first one. Right. The principle here, you don't have to spend your life looking for the wrong fish, there is a principle of being led, to the right one.
1: Yeah.
0: Now I know the church has not helped young people in this area. And because it hasn't helped young people, guess what? We all think we're now expert fishermen. But what happens when you go fishing and you end up hooking a marlin? Yeah. You, don't even have a, you don't even have a line strong enough to catch what you're fishing for. Come on. And your keep net is not big enough to keep what you've got. So you go chasing stuff that you haven't got the character to keep. But you like the look of the fish. You want to kiss the fish. You want to bring him home and put him in your tank. And look at him and hug him and call him George or Georgina. But you don't have the equipment. On the inside to hold what you're fishing for. So you might need a bowman to put some tension on your string so that when he tells you what to do and he says to you, Go to that, go to that pond over there, there'll be a fish with a gold coin in its mouth. You better be ready to go. Rather than you decided, I'm going fishing. I want to encourage you on this pursuit. I really do. I've prayed about this quite a lot because you're in my heart. You, you single people, you're in my heart. And I believe God's given <laughs> us a promise for you. God has given us a promise for you. God's seen the plight. I've come to the point where we must have our own lineage. The Dream Center must produce its own lineage. Its own descendants must come from this house. Think about this. God will give us a lineage and it will be our quiver. We will be a sought after house. Because of the, the people that God's bringing into our, we will become the quiver that others will come looking to.
1: Amen. So we have
0: to not only guard and govern our young people or our single people, but at the same time, there'll be, be officers on the door, so to speak. Because we protect our young girls, we'll protect our young lads, we'll protect our vulnerable women and vulnerable men. Why? Because this house wants to be a safe haven. Yeah. We're not going to become a dating club, we're going to be a... We're going to... what's the word looking for? We are going to... God's going to give us partners for destiny. Not a dating club. Now, you have a courtship before you go through the day. You know, on the first day, you're not saying you and I get married. We're going down that way. It's not organised. We need a lineage. Yeah, yeah. I want you to write that word down. God is super going to give us our own lineage. Yeah. See, I look at girls like Paige, A young girl like that, she's going to be a well sought after girl. Yeah, she right? She's a pretty young thing. But guess what? She's not. We, we will believe that God will give this girl a lineage.
1: Yeah.
0: Where she can do things God's way. Yeah. We don't want her to suffer the same pain everybody else is suffering. <coughs> Thomas, Joel's, innocent lads. We don't want them to be seduced by that smooth, seductive voice. These are Tianga. These are our treasure. We don't want them being seduced. The kids who are in there right now, or the kids who are upstairs right now. This is our lineage. Because there's going to come a point when the the seductive voice is going to start speaking. If it isn't already speaking... (laughs) Right? And he's going to start luring them away down paths. And we're saying, no, 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 no. And we've got to be able to help them. Because those emotions inside them are very strong. Raging bulls. So, God is giving us, God is giving us, and will give us a lineage. And in that lineage, we will have marriage, we will have honourable relationships. And we'll have spiritual offspring. Write those things down. God has given us this lineage for relationships. Honorable relationships. Marriage. And for spiritual offspring. This is what we're going to be fasting for coming January.
1: Hmm. We as a house
0: are going to rise up. We're going to help these young people. We're going to do what we can. For God to bring in what they need for their life and destiny.
1: Amen.
0: We're going to rise up, church, and we're going to pray and petition heaven, Lord, send us the resources, send us the partners for these young people. Amen. Or Amen. single people. Amen. Single, still young. And listen, if you're single, whatever age you are, you determine whether you want a partner. <coughs> I didn't put an age limit on it. Right? The Lord will supply, listen... The Lord, on the Lord, from the Lord, that the Lord will supply the needs of your spirit, soul, and body. The Lord will supply psychologically, physiologically, and emotionally. This is what God will supply to you if you listen to what he's saying to you this morning. You are the selected, arrow, you are the selected arrows. So now God is going to select some arrows for you. Hello? Amen. God is going to select some arrows for you. Now, you might have to do something. You might have to go and brush your hair, have a wash, clean your teeth, go and do something, make yourself look good. There's some things you have to do. Yeah? yeah? yeah. Read Song of Solomon. You need some lessons in, in the love? Look, read Song of Solomon. Ask him to give you imagination. The Lord will supply the needs of both in, of your body, your soul, and your spirit. The Lord will give you emotionally, psychologically, and physiologically, God's yeah. going to touch those areas of your life. He does not want you to be incomplete. Yeah.
1: Because if you're incomplete, guess what? A seductive voice will take you off. Yeah.
0: Wrong attachments will psychologically, emotionally, and physiologically will mess you up crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: I said wrong attachments will mesh up psychologically, physiologically, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Do you know how I know that? We've all done it. Mm-hmm. We've all been out with a, a dead bee. Mm-hmm. You know, you've all seen Boaz, haven't you? All read the story of Ruth. Mm-hmm. Boaz. Boaz, we've all met Boaz somewhere, haven't we? Yeah. Dead as. Dead as. Mm-hmm. Nothing for as. Nothing good as. There's always a man a woman out there who's no good, for you psychologically, emotionally, or <coughs> physiologically. But all I feel is this, I feel it. It's going to go past what I feel, it's going to go to what you know. Yeah. 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 Deuteronomy 32, and I'm closing on this because this is the, the crescendo of, of the warning that I feel like the Lord was speaking to me about for, for this particular aspect. Deuteronomy 32.50 Well, spoke to me two weeks ago about this, this verse. There on the mountain that you climbed, talking to Moses. So just stop there for a second. I'm seeing this as I'm speaking to you now. This is fresh in the oven. There on the mountain that you climbed. So there's been previous labour. Previous effort. Previous Strength used. There on that mountain that you climbed. <coughs> many of you have climbed the mountain of God. Many, many times. You've given him his effort. So you've given him your strength. You've given him your effort. Your best effort. You've given him money. You've given him seed. But still, you have not got Mr. or Mrs. Perfect in your life. And that incompleteness causes a certain behaviour... To manifest. Mm-hmm. Yes? Nothing like frustration, is there? Mm-hmm. To cause you to run ahead of yourself. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to, to Moses here. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die and be gathered to your people. This is the end of Moses' life. I'm not saying you're going to die. Just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and gathered to his people. Now listen carefully. It's a warning and there's an encouragement for you both. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the desert of Zin. And because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites, therefore you will see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. This is Moses he's talking to. (coughs) Listen To the two things. That Moses. God had against Moses. You broke faith. In the midst. Of Israel. And. You compromised. Holiness. In the midst. Of Israel. Think of this. This is Moses, the meekest and mildest bloke. God was merciful because he said, Moses, you'll, only, you'll, you'll see it from afar, but you've got your place in heaven, but now it's Joshua's turn. Just imagine if Moses and Aaron had messed up at that point, broke faith with God at that point, and Aaron had let them make that cow, calf. Can you imagine where they could have been? Moses may have been able to enter that. Now, I think it might have been all pre purpose that he was never going to enter and I don't know that. But the point is, the scripture records he broke faith. And he did not uphold holiness. Now, young people, hear me. On pursuit to the wrong pool to fish, to capture fish, the two things that always get compromised is you break faith and you compromise your holiness. <laughs> you break faith because what you say you'll do what I feel is right to do knowing that heaven is not with me but I'll do what I want to do decide now what you want do you want a boyfriend or do you want a partner for life do you want a girlfriend or do you want a partner for destiny boyfriends will only ever break your hearts a partner for destiny will give you his heart or her heart. Yeah. Boyfriends come and go. You know girlfriends, I had loads of them. Yeah, stallion. Does <laughs> <laughs> surprise you? I had loads of girlfriends. But well, then I found a partner. Yeah. I know what, if I had my time again, I wouldn't have had the girlfriends. i spent more time on the partner. Yeah. Fortunately, I found my partner. 32 years later. I'm still part He's still part of me. Please, this is the warning of the Lord: do not break faith with me in the midst of the Israelites. Meaning in the midst of your church, in the midst of your place of witness. Do not break faith with me in the place of your witness. Do not compromise your holiness to keep what you call. Hello? Do not compromise what God is doing in you and has done in you and is establishing in you to try and please and appease what you've caught. Because what you've caught might be worse than you thought. But, but, the consequence of this is you'll only ever see from afar what you could have had. You'll only ever see. From afar, what you could have had if you go down the wrong path. Peter says, "This His divine power has given us everything for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. who was called by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great, precious promise. That God is giving you a promise this morning. He is giving you a promise that He's going to supply, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption." Of the world. So, in the next coming days, months, God is supernaturally going to bring to this house lineage, descendants to this house. Have God's word on it. Amen? Amen. Amen. They're going to be the resources for the future. (coughs) Yes? God will bring families in who have got young daughters and young sons. For our families who have got young daughters and young sons. Amen. Yes? God will bring those families in. So the future for your children can be secure.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. Amen? But for those who are older, God is going to bring in, supernaturally, that which you need. Amen. And he's going to bring across your path that which you need. Amen. Both in the house and across your path.
1: Amen.
0: Choose wisely, Jedi. Amen. Or the force will be Either with you or against you. We must clearly define what a selected arrow looks like. When you're looking for a partner, what does your arrow look like? What should he look like? God wants you to partner with his divine nature. So look for divine.
1: Amen.
0: Look for divine. What's your name? If it's not called divine, jog on. <laughs> See fine. but was already fashioning his wife he needs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right now, somewhere, a child is born just like Harry yeah. who will be <coughs> fashioned. And God will bring Jeremiah 3.14 Return faithless people declares the Lord For I am your husband. Mm-hmm. I will choose one from a town. God is going to choose the selected idols from the town
1: that you need. Amen. God's going to bring two, uh, uh, two from
0: a clan. Mm-hmm. So, There's going to be resources sent. This is the word for us this year. This is what we're praying. God, I'm not going looking in the wrong path. God, you're going to send these people to my life. Somehow, supernaturally, you're going to bring these people across my path. But when they come, you must know and discern, is this an arrow? Or is this just a destructive, uh, what's the word we use from the uh, destructive woman? Seductive. Is this a seductive voice trying to hinder me? You must know. Look in the eyes and see if it's called divine. Not divina. This is the word to us. I really believe God is bringing this heartache to an end. Because I hear the cries and the anguish of young people and single people. God must create a lineage for us. Mm-hmm. Can we say amen to that? Mm-hmm. Can you, does that witness with you? Yeah. Yeah. So, we who are married in a happy, or happier, I'm you not know, saying everyone is married happy, but we who are married in a happy <coughs> must go to bat for these young people. Mm-hmm. So, in December, in January, we are going to stand and we are going to fast as a house and we are going to declare this year that God will going to bring the resources to this generation. Amen. Mm-hmm. Or this company of people. Mm-hmm. Can we do that church? Yeah. Do you believe you can, you can, we can do that? Yeah. I believe in <laughs> Listen. Happy people is a happy church. Content if you want to see these young people. And single people. With partners for destiny.
1: Yeah, rather
0: than try this one. Try that one. Try this one. Try that one. Nothing but heartache, hurt and ruin. Yeah. Come on stand to our feet. We are going to take Jeremiah 3.14. We are going to take Deuteronomy 27. And we're going to hold them in our hand and say, Deuteronomy